0: Hello and welcome to this, the 38th episode in this second series of the RISE Productions Irish Theatre Podcast. I am your host, the self-appointed cheerleader-in-chief of Irish Theatre, Angus O'G mcanally artistic director of RISE Productions, a freelance actor, more recently a director and a producer here at RISE. I am a 21-year veteran of the Irish theatre scene and a third-generation theatre maker. And as ever, we are coming to you live from our studios at the Irish Theatre Institute in the heart of Dublin's cultural quarter of Temple Bar. And this second series is brought to you thanks to the very generous support of the Arts Council of Ireland. Fair play to the lads up in Marion Square, keeping the whole show on the road. Now, because they are keeping the show on the road, each week we're able to bring you these conversations absolutely free of charge. We've promised that we won't ever charge for this podcast or these conversations, but we are looking for you to support Irish theatre and put your money into Irish theatre. Put your money where your mouth is. That's the whole ethos behind this podcast to support, promote, and celebrate all that is great about Irish theatre. And as we tell you each week, the simplest way to go and support is just to go and buy yourself some tickets to a theatre show. You get to support Irish theatre, you also get the benefit of a great night out. What more could you ask for? But you know, if tickets are slightly outside your reach this week or this month, maybe go on over to a crowdsourcing website, the likes of a Fundit.ie, an Indiegogo, a GoFundMe, see if there's a theatre company over there running a funding campaign and if you can, put your hand in your pocket and support them. Donations often start from as low as a fiver and there are always great rewards in return for your support but there are ways you can support without even having to put your hand in your pocket go and tell people about this podcast that's a simple and easy one to do isn't it Uh, go and tell them whether that's in person over a cup of coffee or a pint or by sharing the link as a facebook post or retweeting on twitter or regramming on instagram or doing a snapchat story or whatever way you want to get the word out the more you can get the word out about this podcast the bigger the platform we have to provide for all these great artists and help them tell their story about their life and work in the theatre. Do please go and subscribe to the podcast over on iTunes if you're not an Apple user. They are streamable and available for direct download at riseproductions.ie. We're on Podbean, we're on Acast, we're on all those different podcasting apps that you might need to be on. If you want to find us, you'll find us. Do please go back and listen to all our other episodes, both in this second series and indeed the original first series from a couple years back. Leave us a review on iTunes if you would, or simply click to rate us on their five-star rating system uh, that's a one-click deal it's really only 10 seconds out of your day but the reviews are a huge help for us too in terms of search positioning algorithms charts and all that stuff um it's massively appreciated if you can do that at all please do you can as always follow us on facebook we are facebook.com forward slash rise productions ireland or you can follow us on twitter we are at rise Ireland. And it's been another busy week here at Rise Towers. The kind of boring stuff that you don't get to see. The behind-the-scenes admin, form-filling application territory stuff that goes on that's the, uh, shall we say, the unglamorous end of Irish theatre, theater. but it's the stuff that you need to do to keep the show on the road. Uh, we're staring down the barrel of Arts council Deadlines looming and all these elaborate plans for next year to go along with this residency at Smock Alley. Um, it's a big operation to keep that show on the road and for A company like Rise, which is not regularly funded, doesn't have kind of strategic money to stretch over a year, 18 months, two years, three years. Uh, It means that we have to jump through an awful lot of hoops. That's fine, I'm not complaining. If we're gonna get our hands on taxpayers' money, I think it's right and appropriate that we should jump through some hoops to get it. But it just means that we're in that kind of planning stage at the moment, cooking up all kinds of exciting stuff. Uh, And even today, I had quite a few meetings about elaborate plans coming up, which is really exciting. But for me to go on about it here, kind of becomes that thing of, oh, we can't tell you yet. And I don't want to bore you with that. Suffice it to say, we've got some great stuff coming up towards the end of this year and into 2019. And so, look, that brings us to our guest this week. And this is a really special one for me because the guest is Des Cave. Um, Des is an icon of Irish theatre. There's no other way to describe it. When you look at a guy who was the last man standing of the Old Abbey Company, the last fully, full-time, permanent and pensionable actor Uh, and to think that, you know, that this is a a situation the Abbey Company was around long before the days of Celtic Tiger long before the country was allegedly awash with money the idea that we had this, you know, full-time, permanent troupe of actors there this ensemble is an amazing thing and des has been at the heart of so much of the magic that happened at the abbey for such a long time um he's kind of a hero of mine and i don't mind saying it uh this is a wonderful chat sit back and relax guys because this is about as good as it gets here he is the brilliant des cave the wonderful des cave joining me on the podcast at long oh, last, no, are are. At long last i've avoided to... this for years I know, as indeed most sensible actors <laughs> i know do. they
1: don't like talking about themselves except uh, on on mic, but to each other, they love talking. Exactly.
0: Des, take me back to the very beginning. Do, what are your earliest memories of an interest in theatre, even before you got involved?
1: I would say that my first experience of performing in front of people would have been as an altar boy.
0: Ah, now we're talking.
1: In St. Joseph's Church Glassstool. Yes. And, the, and I remember vividly being so precocious and it, asking the priest, by the way, Father, what is this stuff we're saying, the Latin okay like when to the, he said, look you don't have to understand what it says it's a mystery ah. and then when i was 10 my godmother gave me a present of a roman missile and there in a inside was all the stuff we were answering so i was able to go down the boat to the church to the boys and say look this is it's all this is, we're answering for the people <laughs> but no one told us that no, that's my first experience. A,
0: first i'll get your hands on a script. On the script, I got the script,
1: <laughs> <laughs> and it was in Latin and English. You see, ah, right, because the Roman missal you had one side and the other, and as I say, most Catholics never even open a Roman missal yeah. or, or a Bible because you don't. You're not. You don't. Don't let Protestants do that.
0: <laughs> yes, they're indeed. In, they're
1: into the word. Yeah. The, you're just into looking and believing.
0: It's a simpler way. <laughs> simpler <think>. way, yeah. <laughs> um, and so, so having got a little yeah. taste of us yes. as an altar boy. What were the first footsteps into performing then for a reason? Well, then
1: I went to school, in both primary and secondary, CBC Monkstown Park. Yes. And it indirectly, a brother long decided that if Blackrock could put on Gilbert and Sullivan, why not CBC Monkstown? And he was a friend of Tomás McConnor's.
0: Ah, oh, well, now we're talking. Now we're
1: talking, the Abbey. And Tomás always said, well, I said, do you remember Monk's? I didn't want to talk. Because, it, you know, Gilbert and Sullivan, for a good rip-roaring Republican like Tomás <laughs> McConnor, <laughs> putting on about Eng- the, the English Empire and Gilbert and Sullivan characters ruling the waves. Yes. He didn't really, but he needed the money, as the fella said. Indeed. And he took the gig, and he did the first two, I think. Uh, you no, know, he did Pirates of Penzance and a Mikado. And that would have been 1957.
0: And you would have been in those shows? I was, I was, in, I was
1: in the chorus of those two. And then uh, he left and another pair took over, a director. Uh, they were uh, m- husband and wife. And uh, I got to play. My voice dropped, of course, yes. so I left the choruses. Yes. And I got, I, but I got my first speaking, singing role was the Duke of Alhambra in wow. The Gondoliers.
0: But so technically you were being directed by Thomas McConnell, yeah. but still a
1: schoolboy. Yeah, yeah. Ah, well, I mean, as chorus.
0: Yeah, but no, yeah. That still All counts. you lot, all you
1: lot, run off quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yes, insightful notes. <laughs> yes, insightful notes. Now, you, you crowd, quiet down. Yeah, that was direct, but that was it.
0: And so was, is that when the bug bit, as the fellow yeah. says? Yeah, oh,
1: definitely. I would saying, I realised the old story. I walked out, particularly when I got to play a lead part. Yeah. Suddenly, everyone was looking at me. And it's, there was no noise. Mm-hmm. Everyone gone quite blah, blah. Bla, bla, and you were in charge. Yeah. That was it. That was the book. Bu- I come off like walking. He said, That's the power you have. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, in the way that nowadays we have, you know, the Lear Academy with the Gaius yeah. or whatever else. No,
1: only two school of acting.
0: Yes. So at that time, the options were what?
1: Brendan Smith. Yes. Only at one stage. Yeah. And then. Your grandfather was in charge of the one up on Camden Street, which was started up for Annie McMaster in his retirement. Right. Uh, it was a fellow called Captain Miles O'Malley O'Donoghue, ran uh, the National Academy of, uh, I think it was Allied or, it's was like nada, which okay. we said in Spanish means nothing.
0: <laughs> 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 well, we couldn't possibly comment on that? No, no, well, I think, I,
1: I think it was National Academy of Allied Arts and Drama. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I was there, uh, Donald McCann was in it. I went into the senior class, Nile Buggy was in the intermediate class okay. with I think Bernadette McKenna wow. and uh, the big break we got there was that every year they did a you know end of school play of sure. end of academy and we were down to the gas company in Dublin yes. the little theatre there and Bill Foley was taking our class in December and we did the third act of Playboy, the Western World. Okay. And I got to play the Playboy. Wow. And Dolan McCann was an old man. And uh, not old man, the, the father, her father, what's it?
0: Oh, God. oh um, Peggy Mike's dad. Yes. What, uh, his name is totally... We're gone. There, we yeah, are. Yeah, there we are.
1: And anyway, uh, anyway that, that, that went on for the Christmas and that was another big buzz. And out of that, as fate would have it, my mother, who had the cuple fuckle, and I had none, okay. after having 20 years taught of the brothers. Of course. Which I still, see, my, I still tell you this, my own grandchildren have no Irish. Right. And I'm just, I'm just what is wrong? I mean, that's just, I'm diverse, but what is wrong where you spend 10 years of your life learning a language and you can't speak, can't hold a conversation?
0: Yeah, it's less than ideal as the Federalist. It's less than.
1: It's not what the founding fathers of the state were thinking of. <laughs> I don't like think like so. Eamon De Valera. It didn't work out that way. No, not for. Not per- as I say, my pet thing is you don't need to buy anything in Irish.
0: Yes, I have you.
1: It's the language of the heart, but not of commerce.
0: Yes. Well, as I always say, the reason my Irish is as good as it was was because spending my teenage years it, down at the you, of And you had to use it. Learning how to find out how to kiss girls no, no, and thing.
1: No, no, or from you know th- uh, if you're looking for a fa- an odd fag exactly or, or or excuse me using the word cigarette sorry yeah. that is connotation separate elsewhere um it was uh, yeah that I- if you wanted sweets
0: yeah
1: you, to, you didn't you could, and you could be pointing away and say what? Yeah. And no, and then you'd ask like i might art anybody's children as soon as they go abroad the first thing they learn is the names of things they want yeah so, but, but why don't we do that? Start the first class of Shoppa? Yes. And how to buy things.
0: <laughs> so you said your mom has the Coup de Yeah,
1: mam had the Coup de and she saw an ad, totally uh, Geilge, in the papers for the Abbey School of Acting was being reenacted. Okay. It had stopped when Ria Mooney died. Yes. And it was in abeyance. So they were starting it up again. And Bill Foley grilled me in the necessaries okay. for the audition for the School of Acting. Said, they're going to give you a bit of Irish. I'll give you that. Go and learn a bit. Ah. Uh, by rote, yes. then you do your favourite piece, do the piece from the Playboy, okay. and then a p- one of your own choice. And I got into that class.
0: Now, before we jump into the Abbey class, I want to go back because I have a recollection yeah. of you telling me a story of the great Ray McAnally coming in to teach a class sometime. Oh, oh.
1: yes. In, in, he, he took class in the, up in Camden Street. Like, Bill Foley was no, October, November, December, right. and then your grandfather was into, Ray was into the next one up to Easter. And he, oh, about the breed? oh yes, and I mean, he, he was doing, pardon me thou bleeding piece of earth, that I am meek and humble with these butchers! <laughs> and I'm using that very strongly, but, no, you know, used to come up and do the speech, it's Mark Antony over the dead yeah. body of Julius Caesar. And I copped on, if I do it exactly like Ray did it, that, that, and he's just, Fine. Everyone else is no, 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 no and I was, and I just sat down.
0: <laughs> I love, I love the idea that everyone's up there doing their best, and he's just slating them all. No, 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 no. no he's just saying
1: no, and it'll be a punch here. He didn't do enough on that, yeah. and I, and I just, I remember, like everything else. But this is what I'm saying about acting. It is some well, life. It's sixty percent imitation. Yes what you, you've seen people do or heard people do and despite yourself when you get a part you're not too sure you slip into something you remember somebody doing that with their thing or yeah. saying something with their voice like that. you know you put that in yeah. It's not maybe, you wouldn't have thought but it's it's part of you
0: yeah uh, I, I love that so so having done the bit in the annual like master place so then you got accepted into the, the abbey, school. abbey
1: school of acting now when i say the abbey school of acting okay that was Abbey would be the best part. Right. School of acting. Uh, we weren't taught anything basically. Really? Because it was Frank Germani, Prontius McDermada. Yes. yes. As, ah yes. Prontius McDermada, as McLeomore would say, a genius with no talent.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it.
1: I know he was very he was very he was into the Stanislavski stuff and okay. a bit and, and he had a back he was a tortured soul in itself to the drink and sexual variations made him very and he uh but he would go on a tear and he'd come in for the class right and he just roar and it's all about he what he wanted to do he'd get up on pianos and fall off see i don't hurt my baldy head i'd fall down and I'd all, everything was to f- and it was all based on letting yourself go ah, okay. but in explaining it he would throw himself around the room and you know and you'd get hurt you <laughs> know you know, as a result, we started with 20. Okay. And three months later, we had 10. Three or four months That's later. That's quite a, quite most, a of the, most of them bailed out, couldn't yeah. take it. Yeah. Particularly the girls, because it was very right. hard on the girls. Yeah.
0: I mean, now, to some extent, is that level of... Fall off necessary for a business that's as hard as theatre, or is that maybe just dealing with someone who is maybe not in the right job? Well, no, he
1: ha- he had done some fantastic productions of O'Neill. Okay. He did a, a, a classic one that was highly praised in this f- late 50s, uh, Long Day's Journey Into Tonight, with uh, Rhea Mooney and Philip O'Flynn, right. and Vincent Downing, Pat Laffan were the two sons. But that, I mean, he could, when he was on the ball, when he was in, but I'll put it this way. Frank Dermody was taken on as director of productions at the Abbey. That was everything. Yeah. He, he was going from one, and they were doing like uh, three nights a week. You change over every three days. Okay. They were doing back-to-back rep. Yeah. And Now, now some of it, you just had to have a line call or something, but sometimes it'd have to be worked on. Yeah. Now, he had to be there to do all of that and the Christmas panto. In Gaelic. Okay. <laughs> so he was shot full yeah. of you know he, exhausted. And because uh, real collapsed. She had to do everything as well before that. And she had a breakdown. Event. Well no, she got ill, but the the work weight, I mean Ernest Blythe and all that, it was you only had one theatre director. Yeah in the company. Now, mind you, at that time, there was only one theatre in the Abbey. There's no Peacock. And sure. But still, it was a hard day's work for a director. He had to be there all the time. Yeah. Now, even the actors got a time off because they weren't in every play. They yeah. couldn't be. Or they wanted them to be, but they couldn't.
0: Yeah. Man, it's remarkable. Talk to me a little bit about who else would have been in the school at that kind of time. You said, so Donald McCann? Donald McCann, Clive
1: and- Geraghty. Wow, okay. Uh, Clive, um, uh, Geraldine Plunkett. Um, Ray Stephen Ray okay Stephen Ray was with us for two years and then and then we did a, a couple of plays and then Ray decided the f- farthest fields were greener yes, and less uh, yeah.
0: uh, would laughing have been around at the same time Pat was in the company no? He wasn't finished. in the school okay.
1: no Vincent Dowling Pat, Philippa Flynn, Angela Newman, Joan O'Hara, uh, Hardy Brogan, May Craig, Eileen Crow and yeah. these were these were us like we were touching May Craigs. The hem of her dress because she'd been in the first production of the play by the Western world th- th- 1904 this is, or something. This, <laughs>
0: this, <laughs> is, this is where the magic happens for me because I, I love that lineage within theatre. I love the fact that, you know, when I was younger doing plays with Phyllis Ryan, yes. who would have done plays with, who would have done plays with, and that through and line. And she was right in
1: the Abbey for a while, well, of course, Phyllis. Yeah. yeah,
0: as far as I'm the youngest ever member that they, they brought, I they think they changed the rules for her and brought her in when she was only a kid. But I, I so I love that through line. So for you, those, those names, if you like, above you. Well, they
1: were my teachers, all yeah. of them. I and mean, also, when you see the School of Acting, all we did was go in and whatever Frank had to say, you yeah. listened to, but your job was watching. Right. And, and if you could, and of course, the first thing that Ernest Bly did say when he got us together, the class of 20, now there's no guarantee that any one of you will be employed by the theatre here in the Abbey. Okay. So don't get any ideas about that. So, but some of us did, but yeah. it wasn't the purpose of the School of Acting. I don't know why, well, they just wanted to start the School of Acting again yeah. uh, because it was needed in the business. Yeah. But in those days, when we talk about professional acting, now this wasn't London yes. where they've had professional theatre for years. Yes, of course. Most of it was was semi pro. Yeah.
0: So it, so, like, so at that time, then, for everyone in the school and whatever else, are they all trying to work a day job as well at the same time? Oh, they time? were,
1: yeah. yeah okay. Well, that's yeah. why the ones that bailed out, they had a day job, they didn't yeah. need this. <laughs> yes. They didn't need this abuse.
0: <laughs> they could get abused anywhere. Well, they. abused
1: and getting paid for being abused.
0: <laughs> so, so, again, but, but yeah. you were aware at that time that these were, you know, the great Irish stage actors. Oh,
1: well, I mean, from friend. my mother. My mother was a great both and, Abbey and Gate fan. Right, okay. So she said, you know who you're working with. Yeah. You know, this is fantastic. You know, she, my mother was, as I say, well, talk about having, oh. uh, fulfilling your mother's wishes. Right. You know, <laughs>
0: Was there an element of living vicariously through you then? I think. Ah, of course.
1: Brilliant. Yeah, she was delighted. Yeah, but she had been. I mean, would you believe she was a? They used to have do plays in out in Dunleary. Uh There was a family that used to turn their house into do just a little drama. Yeah. And she happened to me, that one of them was Danny O'Hurley. He played there, with wow. that in that little school. And Dan went off to Hollywood. But you know there was a connection there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So how quickly then did you progress from the abbey school into the company
1: about a year and a half about within a year right okay. a year no uh i uh mess doing walk-ons and uh the man from Clare playing football or sort of coosaboo and all this stuff yeah. in the back and spear carrying yes, there or no well well uh, celtic spears now not not halberts, <laughs> celtic spears or um and a bit of the Clive Sullish. Yes, of had course. To, I, was, had, I was playing a lead and a bit of this thing on the harp. And uh, anyway, uh, Dermody came to me in great excitement. and said, Mr. Blythe decided, he said that, uh, he said, he decided that um, you you might be fit. You're doing Tommy Owens in the, uh, in a Gunman, and that's your audition for the company. Okay. And that, you bang. Yeah. He just suddenly, oh, thanks very much. You could not gently, you No, know, this, you, this is it. If you don't do that, could <laughs> find something else to do.
0: Wow! <laughs> um.
1: And I went down, and he very, very kindly went to, to Harry Brogan, right. who was one. Now Harry had been a variety artist before Glyde got him into the company, uh, and he did all the character parts—the uh, Seamus Shields, Jockers, all yeah. of that—and and, uh, <laughs> and fluters. He did that as well. Uh, anyway, uh, he he took me up to the. Dress bar, the dress circle bar of the old Queen's Theatre. Right, okay. And went through the, my speeches line by line. Wow. Did all the you did that, and then you, you know, you know. And of course, being me, I just did it by rote exactly. Yeah. You see, and I walked on. but <laughs> the, the review I got was uh, Deskay Des. Why oh, was called Dasun Markdavi? Of course cause no, you were. Because nobody knew who I was. You see. Right. Dasun Markdavi. And Dasu MacDowell, you played Tommy Owens like a like a puppet on strings. I <laughs> <laughs> <A> love <laughs> it. The But I and also, but and and Harry would teach you the exit lines as well. Okay. You know, and come open the door and come back in as well. Yeah. You know, do he always did the punchline?
0: Yeah.
1: And I don't know that I was doing that as well. Tommy Owens only waits the call, waits the call, <coughs> close the door.
0: And was you know in terms of that like. Was that about getting you up to the Le- the pitch and the the, yeah. the, the nature? But well, that was Tommy
1: on the smoke. It's t- it's a nice part. It's early on in the shadow. But that. But if you could handle that, then we'll, we'll we'll give you we'll give you ten shillings a week, and you're on the payroll.
0: Man, it's just fantastic. And so, it, it, with were you still in top like in regular turnover? Then of kind of working stuff in rep at that time and new shows yeah. all the time coming yeah, through. Yeah, yeah. And like, how quickly a changeover are we looking at in terms of? If there was a new script coming in, what kind of prep time would you get on new stuff?
1: Well, I tell you this now, for example, rehearsals started at ten, I think yeah, they were over by one, okay there's no afternoon rehearsal right, and most of it was revising stuff you'd done last year okay or a rep the rep from... you know they, they had the, they had they had the ocases okay, the things Oh, they were all just. Slotted in, and if there was a new play, then that would be worked on okay
0: but but, but you know like is that like you know not not for and no dramaturge or anything like yeah. that yeah but and and not it was just
1: the, the play was accepted by the abbey, it was handed to Frank Dermody, he'd hammer a job on it, and you do it
0: man simpler times I think oh
1: much simpler, yeah yeah, but it, it was like, and there were no and and I always said to tell people, no such word as previews, right, you had. Rehearsal, rehearsal, then you had a dress rehearsal on the Sunday night for the clergy. Brilliant. Because they weren't allowed to go to the theatre by Archbishop McQuaid put a ban on uh, priests and monks or uh, brothers.
0: Attending the theatre?
1: Attending the theatre. They weren't to be mixing with women okay. or other people or the other kind, whatever. Yes, but indeed. But they, to to the th- they weren't allowed to go to the theatre.
0: So they would get They were coming They would
1: come in and pack, the place was full on a Sunday night. For all, all priests, brothers, nuns, everybody.
0: I'm bringing that back. I'm yeah, definitely yeah. bringing that and
1: back. And that, that was like the opening night. Yeah. Because you went on, the next night would be the Monday night, critics, everything in, Right. off you go. That's hit, incredible. Hit the, and I always remember a great expression of, because it always stood by me, of Germany's thing was about how to hit the stage. Hit the stage as if you just touched a red hot iron. <laughs> Okay. And on you go, and yeah. don't stop.
0: <laughs> you know? Yeah, I can I can see bringing that energy. You Nobody, know, it's it's
1: the it's energy thing. thing. Don't and come in as if you've been there before and all that. It's your stage, you're in, but but touch the red hot iron.
0: It's incredible. Uh, are there are there standout moments from those early days? Oh, for stop you? It
1: out. I have nightmares. <laughs> standout moments, <laughs> moments when you don't know what who like. Uh, I always have a, one of a. a uh, have a nightmare of being in the shock with with donald mccann and this is a bit later yeah. but being in the shotgun with Don on stage but it wasn't it was in cork in the new in the which was also built by michael scott oh yes so the, the, it's, the wonderful architect yeah but there's some the, the sort of shape, shape of the thing and um we were standing there and both of us dried stone dead right and we said we looked over there's nobody in the prompt corner because that, that, those days they had prompts yeah and uh, nobody there and then i went over but the, the, prompt, the book was in, on the desk in the prompt corner so I sort of sidled over to the side opened it, all blank pages so I just looked at McCann and he looked at me and we went into a song and dance routine to get off which we learned in one of the Gaelic pantos
0: that's <laughs> glorious <laughs> just incredible incredible and that's a dream
1: but that's the kind of haunting dreams you get and yeah. i still get it a little bit of it but all of it was mixed up in that kind of thing you were so busy doing one thing another you know the as you say the, the classic i'm on the stage i'm in the play but i haven't done this play for four tw- two years yeah. i don't know the script but you've been told it's on tonight yeah Oof, you know? <laughs> that's incredible
0: um and so at that stage yeah. The, the, the nature of the company the security of the company the, the idea of a permanent pension it was, was never big.
1: more it was never more than t- the maximum I think was 25 actors and actresses okay. actresses actresses uh, as oh, yes, opposed indeed. to actors <laughs> <laughs> they were. They had actresses in those days
0: yes indeed <laughs> um, but th- the level of security around that was was big yeah
1: of course when well, you a you know, pay package was coming in and Later on, when the actors, they went on strike in the early 60s. When the Abbey was going for the first time for years, they were going to the, to the West End to do two O'Casey plays. But conditions were so bad, the money had been the same for 20 years or so. Okay. So they decided to use it that, that with the help of equity. And, Pat Laffin uh, Bill Foley Pat Laid Philip they were on the Players Council right. so they decided that they put a case that we're not going to London unless we get it, some sort of a deal yeah. so Blythe eventually yeah. did back, back down and there was the Andrews Award uh, Todd Andrews was given the job of organ what do you pay actors because right. you see we were all civil servants
0: technically, technically. I was in the so what grade states. do you give them okay. what's the
1: grade for, a, for a, an actor as opposed to a Telephonist, yeah. <laughs> you
0: know. or someone from the typing pool, or to a typing
1: pool, or the, or the head of the department. <laughs> yes, you know, so, so all of this had to be worked out, and uh, then the, the and as part of the Andrews agreement, um, and then Whittaker got on to it, T J Whittaker later yeah. on, to formulate a, a pension scheme. Wow, that was part of the deal that the actors had to be pensionable. Yeah, because if they're civil servants, they have to be. They're entitled to a pension.
0: It's kind of amazing to think that at a time, you know, we're talking long before the Celtic Tiger or the oh, yeah. country was awash with money, yeah. that we had the capacity to have a full time company. Well, I said the,
1: the only thing comparable would have been the Comédie Française or the Moscow Art. Yeah. Or those two theatres in Scandinavia, the one in Finland, one in Sweden, where they had permanent, professional actors yeah. and designers. Everything, artists, yeah. were they had a, could have a job.
0: Yeah, it's, I know it's,
1: it was quite unique, and it was swept away, of course. It's oh, gone now. Yes, it is. It's now market forces. Yeah, and we don't. I mean, there are, I, I, to to be fair, uh, I go indirectly. I met my wife Anne yes, in the Abbey, of course, and uh, she was the wardrobe supervisor, and she was like she got caught into it as well. She left the Grafton School of, the Grafton Academy. Of, for, of design, mm-hmm. she was a dressmaker, designer, dress designer, and a friend, a neighbour across the road was uh, Miss McCormack, who was Ernest Blythe's secretary. Okay, and they were they, the ladies had did the ward over years popped her clogs and they were looking for something so Anne did she said on a temporary idea i come in just for a job because she sure. was straight out of the academy and of course she got sucked in she was there forever <laughs> she got the permanent pencil as well wow. but so so that combined with why uh, so we were very secure yeah in that I mean I mean, an actor and his wife who have you know
0: yeah it's a fantastic thing Wouldn't I, see it now I, but anyway yeah exactly I wish we could see it now uh, well no it, it's it
1: the disadvantages, of course, is that, like everything in the civil service, why did Myers Nacoplin turn to the drink? Yeah. I mean, if you're in a permanent, you, it's boring, it's horrible.
0: Yes, no, I understand that.
1: You know, like and that. unfortunately, the only drug available in those days was alcohol. Yes, indeed. I mean, if we had cocaine and speed and heroin, maybe we, we would have <laughs> gone quicker. It could have been We would have been, they would have found us out faster.
0: Um. I'm <laughs> with you. Um, so, yeah. I want to talk about some of those big shows working at the end, because, I mean, you were lucky enough, you worked on an awful lot of, as you said, the classics, those, the o'cases cases. The, yeah, yeah. The same sort of Well, funny enough, you mentioned,
1: I never played a lead, okay, ex- with the exception of Jack Clitheroe in Plough of the Stars, and uh, Shot of a Gunman. The poet, Davern? The poet, Davern. I played that a number of times I never played a lead okay I didn't get a. didn't get a joxer I didn't get I didn't get a captain I didn't get because I was too I always thought well for example when Michael Kakayanis came to direct
0: the famous Oedipus yeah he
1: was told oh no not him he's he's lightweight he's a comic
0: oh really that was the rap on you
1: yeah he only told me that afterwards when it was all over He said, said, when I came first, they said, who have you got in the company who could play Oedipus? And they said, no, no, no. And they came down. Well, he looks like he could play the part. He looks like he could play. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. No, he's very light. He's good comic parts.
0: Wow. Can we talk a bit about that production of Oedipus? Because it's... It is legendary in Irish theatre. It it's, is. It's yeah. still spoken about.
1: Well, well, to be true, when I played it, and the critic in the Irish Times, Mr. Kelly, said, I wasn't quite as good as Anya McMaster. Okay. Because <laughs> that's the last time it was done in Ireland. Okay. And he was the last famous one. Yeah. Uh, known in Irish uh, for Irish theatre. So I said, well, that's not bad. So. I, that's certainly so, okay, good. So, going. so, but no, otherwise. Yeah. Yeah, that was. Well. I, to be fair, before that, Hugh Hunt was the first person when he came as uh, artistic director. He changed the title from... It used to Artistic Advisor, it was called. Okay. Now, uh, Tomás McConaughey, uh, I think... Uh, um, Walter Mackin was the first person appointed as Artistic Advisor in 1966 when they moved to the new Abbey. Yeah. New building. And he, unfortunately, wasn't well. and he, So Tomás took over... That was still artistic advisor, and then I think um, Alan Simpson was the first real. Because Hugh Hunt said he wouldn't take the job unless it was called artistic director, which meant he had say on the board. Yes, I'm with you. He could sit on the board. Otherwise, you see the board sat with Blythe at the top and then they handed it down to the artistic <laughs> advisor. Yes.
0: Now my granny still says nice things about Ernest Blythe. I think she's the only one who's not to... I have nothing Are to say against him. a really? yes, No,
1: because every time when my father died, I got an increase. Really? When I got married, I got an increase. as, of a little bit of a little bit of a I I mean, I I found bit of a of course. But not of a little he of a little bit of a of and then you hated them.
0: Yeah. Well, the the stories that I have about Blythe are that on the morning after the fire, literally as the place is smouldering, Mm. that Blythe turned to the company who had arrived to kind of help out and said, Mm. no one will lose a day's pay over this. Mm. And no one did. No. Uh, And, you know, you've got to give someone credit for that. Mm. Um, The only other Blythe story I have is of Ray going in, I think it was about the Irish language names rather than their own names. Yes. And... You know, thre- saying that if, if we're not allowed to use this we'll all. All, we'll all resign Yeah. to, to which <laughs> Blythe said that's fine I'll accept your resignations <laughs> uh, so Ray had to run back down to the company and go lads he's after saying yes they go, well, go back up and tell him you didn't mean it yeah. uh, and as from what I know allegedly Blythe, yeah. Blythe turned and said listen Raymond what you need to understand is yeah. don't ever pull a gun on someone unless you're prepared to pull the trigger Yeah. and I think Blythe's understanding of that may not have only been metaphorical no, no because
1: the, the, at that one time when he took over the Abbey in the thir- late 30s or mid 30s, uh, the Dublin Opinion front page had a picture of Blythe holding a script up like that, right. and on the back wall was the Shadow of a Gunman. Wow. It was called Shadow of a Gunman. That's remarkable. Because he, well, he was in the IRB.
0: yeah
1: I mean, we don't know how many. Well, I, I, I digress because I remember in an interview in 1966 with um, Andy O'Mahony with Blythe. Because he was survived in nineteen sixteen, and they were out looking for people to do programs on RT. And he said, "I can't leave this interview, Mr. Blythe, about uh, without a mention of the seventy-seven that were shot during the Civil War." I don't want to hear another word about that," he said. If it was seven hundred and seventy-seven, we'd have shot them all. Wow. That's his view. I mean, they were trying to undermine the legitimate state
0: yeah. voted
1: by the people. Oh,
0: Jesus, that's quite something, isn't mm. it? They're the boys. They don't have fellas like that running the abbey these no, days. No, no. <laughs> um, So, days. was yeah. it? So was it, uh, was so it any Hunt that originally took out was getting behind you then? Yeah, you yeah. well, Hunt,
1: when Hugh Hunt came in, we did the shock run. And that was the first time we ever saw a, 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 a set, a, what do you call it, called? box. The model box? Model box. Yeah. Never seen one in our lives. Okay, You know, everyone said, what? And he came in with a model box of the play, little toy soldiers for figures, and showed where you'd be going, what? Holy! You know, because normally you went in, and, uh, like, I I couldn't, without fear of favour, I said, we sometimes did shows in the early days when I was there, that we hadn't done the third act.
0: Right, okay.
1: We would rehearse the first act over and over and (laughs) over, then the second, over, and then... Run out of time and just do a quickie on the third act.
0: And fingers crossed. And fingers crossed. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so that was a. T- you're, so you mean he's, he's, B- Hunt came in with this fin- well professional way of doing yeah. things, really professional, yeah. not just hit and miss, and it'd be all right on the night. So that from that and then Hunt was in London or something. Met Kakayanis yeah. Having a a news or a whatever <laughs> yes. Greek, si- Greek Cypriots have when they're having. He's a great man for the black coffee. Okay. greek the uh, turkish coffee yes oh, he, by, he had to stop drinking and the doctor's, doctors told him he'd kill himself yeah. so anyway um, he uh, was having a chat with him and said something about it and he's he just said well i have just i'm not just just finished a, as artistic director and he had oh and that he'd like to and he suggested to Lila doolan at the time yes that uh, be interested in doing obviously then yates is he, something that he could greek that he'd know, and he'd put up, he'd put up with, Greek, uh, with Yeats's version of it. Okay. You know, you know it's in English, but I mean, as a Greek, he probably, had, well, he, as he said, this, is, this doesn't work, this is not, this is also, you know, English, flowery language. No, it must be direct, you know, because you know, it's in the Greek, it's, tack, 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 you know, these sort of things. But that's what we had with, like, you insisted on, we all had, we all had to say Oedipus. Oedipus? Oedipus. Okay. Because that's how the Greeks say it. All right. It's not Oedipus, it's Oedipus. Okay. The emphasis is on the e in the, in in Greek in Greek and Russian, like it's I discovered when I went to Russia, it's not Stolichnaya, it's Stolichnaya, okay. no, not Stolich, it's Stolichnaya. Okay. Not Stolichnaya.
0: Okay. <laughs> <See>? <laughs> so
1: it's these things. And well, important if you're acting yeah. and saying things and people. Say, ah, i actually saying it wrong. You know. Anyway, we had to use that, and nobody even everyone still said Oedipus.
0: Yeah.
1: But when you're on stage, you said Oedipus,
0: and did you know at the time did it feel like a special production oh, at yeah. the time oh yeah And um, well he took
1: the like he brought us all into the rehearsal room and everything stopped no work went on well he had all of us in the chorus Emmett Bergen uh, Brian Murray whole, the, there was a chorus of seven right and they were and they just moved but he, he not, normally they stand and do nothing yes but not with Michael Cag they moved in a sort of a as they slid across, they did these long skirt things and they yeah. moved. And uh we would spend the he would play what was it? It was Thracian Shepherd's Pipe Music. Okay. T- sh- pipe which is, wha, wha? It's very weird. Uh, but it was all to do with the bod- Oedipus's being found on the head of on the Mount Parnassus and yeah. and it was to get this idea of and we spent the whole afternoons just Humming and wailing these tunes, but they were, no. But it was all integrated into because then when everybody came on, they knew exactly what they were talking about. Yeah. Oh, not well. Obviously, thinking about did I close the front door? Mm-hmm. Uh, did I lock it? But that you had a thing that you could hang on to yeah. basically, and that was a, a whole new experience for a lot of us. Now, yeah. some of them, others had worked in other here, but I'd never experienced that depth of work.
0: Yeah. yeah. Did it feel like a breakout moment for you? Did yes. you feel I mean as you say if, if people could, oh no well he's light comedy yeah roles.
1: well obviously I proved that I could do it yeah so then of course I got I got R2 the next year yes but that's yeah and then I got parts in uh, much I wasn't always playing comedy from then on yeah
0: I could and, do both yes but also I mean like big critical acclaim for those roles award yeah. nominations all yes, that
1: stuff like, yeah it it, oh, well like well yeah well, at that time all you could I, I did I don't think no I like, do the Jacobs Award was on there, but I don't think I was—I don't know if I was around then. Okay. But uh, I got the—you know—the Evening Herald in the time. best best at a year twice in a row.
0: That's not bad. But on, that does? meant you
1: were doing something.
0: Doing something at yeah.
1: least. At least, just... at least you weren't—you go- weren't wrong, yeah.
0: You did a lot of work on freel plays as well. That was
1: yeah later. Well, uh, while I was doing, uh, John McCann was in a Murphy play. Uh, crucial week in the life of gross assistant. yes now donald left that to go because uh, he they were making the movie of philadelphia here i come yes indeed. but they couldn't get uh, donald donnelly they thought was too old to play, Got to
0: play, the, play the part start. he
1: played before okay. on stage so donald suggested me now i was down in in Finishing, I'd taken over from him in the crucial week okay. in the life of the Gross System. <laughs> and we ended up last night in Don Garvin Right. And a Merc was sent down to me. Oh, no. Mercedes drove down in the thing with the script. I had to learn off the first three scenes for the movie in the car because we o- opening back. on the Monday. We finished wow. on the Sunday. We're on set in Ardmore on the Monday.
0: <laughs> That's incredible. Um, So I I have a particular love of Freel I have a particular love of that play too. When I was in transition year in school, I played Gar Private. And for me, the the remarkable thing of that is not playing... I mean, look, I love playing the Bart, but I was a 16-year-old kid, so it wasn't what it was. But it was after that that my granny came up to me and just very nonchalantly just said, yeah, you can do this. And that was when I got the seal of approval from her. Sure, yeah. But was it... I mean, to play a part that kind of has become as iconic as that Mm. in the Irish canon... Mm. For a movie adaptation, that mm. must have felt pretty amazing too. Well, yeah, it,
1: it had, it had uh, in the sense that Friel was never happy with it. Okay. Because he did the screenplay himself and said he'd never do a screenplay again. Right. Because he didn't, he'd forgotten. He, diff- adapting it, you have to know, uh, like for example, there was a problem with Gar Private. He yes. shouldn't be there when he's not talking.
0: Yes, of course.
1: And I found lots, I've seen the things, that, and I'm standing around doing nothing. <laughs> you know, I'm sort of reacting to what he's saying, but he shouldn't, because it's only in his head. Yeah. And that, that a different technique. Though it still works, because, I mean, it has the original, the original screwballs. Uh, right. was Well, uh, Eamon Kelly. Yes. It's brilliant. And Dave Kelly played the, played the cannon. Brilliant. David Kelly. And uh, Siobhan McKenna played Madge.
0: Yeah. so we, it was a few, again, incredible uh, and donald
1: and myself as the two boys but it, it was uh, yeah i mean i told you I, as, as i said i told you earlier about the business of there was one a woman called jane jane nisbaum and she was a producer in in america she, she got up the money she was from philadelphia she was a lawyer ah, okay. and she wanted to do philadelphia and she inveigled money from lots of people but mainly from her then partner and boyfriend who was a High ex- up executive in TWA, but the relationship fizzled out. And in a sort of peak, she decided to put an embargo on the movie that it wouldn't be shown,
0: even for, though it was all shot in the can,
1: it's in the can, in the lying somewhere in somewhere in the states. Yeah, and she didn't want him to profit from it.
0: And so, how long did it sit on the shelf?
1: But It came, we I saw a version of it, somebody privately got a, a showing of it. In 1976, when we were over in New York with the show, and I saw it then, and then it it got a lim. It's a now it's it's it was regularly used in RTE for schools for if it's on the leaving. Yes, but I don't think it ever got a general release.
0: Okay.
1: Well, it got shown,
0: but at the time, six or seven years later. Yes,
1: we made it, and we thought, well, we're going to go to the preview. We're going to Hollywood. We're going to. It's going to be launched. Friel's famous uh, Tony-winning play yeah. from New York and we're all in it. Yeah. It's not happening.
0: <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah. Incredible. So you would have shot in, what, 70, 71, that kind of time?
1: Uh, yeah, it was uh, late 70 into 71, yeah. Right. Over a, a four-month period. 4 months. We shot it in Ardmore and around Wicklow. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And then finally sees the light of day, 76, 77. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, 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 yeah. Really incredible.
1: Yeah, well, in one... well. I, the number of people just oh i saw it on television the other day it was on for the lean, and, and people say oh why, why was it never you know i say, i never saw that where was it yeah. and said so it didn't go out in general release it was shown at art circuits maybe and yeah the odd thing but it never i mean it was too late to show it on general release in
0: 1976.
1: right yeah you no know, who, who'd want to do it you know they say well you know oh it's bright now no it's got that's got, it's t- too old now
0: wow Um, i want to talk to you a bit about Again, coming back to the idea of the the permanent company Mm. and, uh, you know, having that there. And because when the company was disbanded, done away with, Mm. was it yourself and Clive hung
1: on? We were the last two Yes, Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But I mean, gradually it was, they they didn't recruit anymore. Yes. And anyone that reached 65... In good old civil service terms, was, was gone. <laughs> Out you go, sixty-five actor retires. Yeah. but you said, God knows you'd never you'd play that. No, you know no, you know, you'd never back. play again, because you, oh, oh, you yeah. might. The attitude was you wouldn't want to work again. Right. like you don't want to be a civil servant for the rest of your life. To, you you civil serviced to enjoy your pension. Right. Of
0: course. <laughs> uh, and so, so yes, yeah, so, so people were gradually kind of being retired. Anyways. Yeah,
1: well, it was just, it, 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 the other had gone before us. They got rid of. I mean, the state, whatever way they work these things, like the Radio and Rep yes. was a pensionable place. Yeah. Now, they had a group of, what was it, 15 actors, I think? Yeah. Very fine radio play- players. Now, they would wound up as well. Yeah. And then then when they'd wound up, well, maybe we don't need the Abbey either. Right. I mean, it could just be an in-house place.
0: Yeah. And... Okay. Um, is there a badge of pride in kind of Because at once, I, did it get to the point where you, you were the last? I was, last the last of the Hatties. Mohicans. Yeah.
1: I called myself the last of the Mohicans. That's amazing. And, but it was like, my, as I said, my mother said uh, the old expression during the famine, a farmer would turn, eat, you know, live horse and you'll get grass. And maybe I, there was an element of that, that uh, why would I leave? I'm not going to give them the satellite. under. I mean, I know it, it did get a bit frustrating towards the end, of course. Sure. Because you were just there because you were the last one. Right. <laughs> you, know, he's point, you know, pointed at by the finger. He's, look at your man over there, the last permanent player. Look at him.
0: But I, I look, I think I see that as a massive badge of honour. Uh, yeah. like in that, I, you know, I would love to see a return to that. I mean, I know people well, talk about there kind of being well, an informal ensemble of players i think
1: definitely there should be if not five certainly a two-year turnover yes a company of start with two and if somebody wants to take another year two years fine
0: yeah if
1: they're useful to the company but to say there's none
0: yeah
1: and it is all it is basically uh, i know everybody now comes out with degrees in acting and a doctorate some of them (laughs) i don't know oh that reminds (laughs) the story of Eamon Kelly, when he was upstairs outside, we were having a cup of teas on the landing outside the rehearsal room, and somebody said to him, uh, "Oh, Eamon, do you hear that Cyril has got another doctor's? Um, uh, he's got one from Gal- He got one from Dublin. Right. He got he got one from Galway." "Ah, I yeah, says, I know," I he said. "He's the only actor I know who's been doctored twice." <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, stop! It's fantastic. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, yeah. I, do, I do see it as a badge of honour. Like I, I, I love the idea. Well, I
1: mean, what if you're the last? You're the last, and that's not pleasant. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you, you've got to say, but there isn't a It's just that you're fulfilling your term. Yeah. But I did go. I have been back since, on, at least once every year. I go back to do something there, and I enjoy that more in yeah. a way. Saying, "Well, eh, back again. Yeah, I'm not dead. Hey, I'm not dead. <laughs> Still
0: here. Still going strong." But that's. But I think. I mean, in terms of like you know the work that we would have done together on mm. you know shows like Plough and stuff, mm. and then the the Seamus Heaney one Burial of Thebes that we did as well yes you know the, I, I, I and again
1: oh that was all the, all the old men <laughs> <It> was, <laughs> that was a great chorus it was
0: fantastic great
1: and they were all and they're like a Des Neelan did a speech for about 15 minutes a Therese, Tiresias yeah. and he's six uh, in his 70s yeah you know?
0: Uh, Barry Cassidy yeah, and as well-known names to conjure with, as the film yeah. says. But that's and, but I, and again I, I, because I love that through line—the idea of a direct connection to the yeah. Abbey Company. For me to be working with you, because I mean,
1: but you, but, you, but you were a product of it as well. But, uh, I mean, yes. your dad was in and your and your granny was in, yeah, right. Every you know. So I mean, we're talking. We're not. We're not. We're talking to the converted well, here. There,
0: there is. That. <laughs> there is. I would. I would be.
1: I mean, you'll have another crowd over here saying that was all rubbish. You don't yes. need that kind of. A monolith of of a, of a permanent yeah. theatre. Next, you're going to say, you know, well, well that's socialism.
0: <laughs> when they're talking about coming back, because I remember uh, when they announced that they were going to do the Shakespeare a couple of years ago, uh, that I, it, there was some kind of feeling. Of, oh God, why is the Abbey tackling another Shakespeare? Yeah. We've seen it like, a, you know, on a play like Richard I, I, We've seen it so many times. Like, why are we even bothered to do this? And then everyone came to see it and absolutely <laughs> fell in love with it. It was the best crack in forever.
1: Set in an old folks home. <laughs> Excellent. And the lovers are all on Zimmer friends.
0: <laughs> it was <laughs> glorious. It, and it just, it, it proved all the naysayers and the doubters wrong. Yeah, that it was yeah. this, inc- and you go like, you know, why is the Abbey doing this? This isn't the Abbey's hmm. remit. And then just seeing that collection of performers up on that stage. But that was
1: f- fair play to uh, Gavin Quinn. Yeah, He thought of the, uh, it was his conception.
0: Uh, did, you, did you have the crack on that? Track? Oh, de-
1: definitely, definitely. Very funny. Our big problem was getting Paddle Lamb off. Right. When he was doing a cone, he did, uh, he, he used to play this. He played thi- thi- Tisby. Yes, tis- And he co- we couldn't get, he had to, oh, he had to do this. And it was straight out of a nabby pantomime. <laughs> <laughs> he used to go, he played it like the Kalyuk, yes. the witch, going, and, and, he, and he, he drew it out and drew it out and drew it out getting them off stage, waiting for the, the Boola boss. <laughs>
0: um, but I, I mean, I, I can only imagine the stories knocking around that rehearsal room, given the cast, the cast of actors that were there. Yeah. It must have been an incredible time.
1: Yeah. yeah. As, I, as I say, looking at like, the average age is we didn't all fall asleep. <laughs> you know, poor Gavin had to, you know, and we had, <laughs> Gavin insisted that first 50 minutes was calisthenics to get the old folk moving
0: <laughs> that's uh, it's certainly one way to go about it yeah. um do you still do you go and see much theater do you still I enjoy do. going to theater i do very much so i mean it's it's not an element of busman's holiday at this stage you well
1: no well I, well I well put it this way i, I i've seen more adventure stuff than i would have seen when i was in the abbey right i've seen a bigger canon of work because you, you either went to the abbey or if you were free you got the first night at the gate you yeah. could see something but uh i played the gate three four times yeah i enjoyed uh, i did uh with um Donna Dent, Dame Donna Dent. Yeah, got, I, I did. Uh, we did. Um, you know the one uh, about the heiress. Yes. That one, Washington Square. it? Yeah. yeah. About the the girl, and the, I played the cruel father who wouldn't let her marry the vagabond that neared the, 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 the well. Right. You know, so so I and that I enjoyed. That was a nice and to play in the gate again. Yeah. And I, I mean, it is strange feeling of. Uh, it's a history. I I was aware of the history of the gate as well. Yeah, of course. That it, it, well, I don't know why, they, but they started in the Peacock. Yes. The old Peacock in the Abbey. That's where MacLiamore, the gate's first productions. Yeah. And then they got the place up and up the job. Anyway, uh, yeah, yeah. It. it, I do. I do still go a lot. I, obviously, I, I watch an awful lot of move. I go to movies, and I well, I don't not totally, but I read. I'm a av- big reader, but right. I'm sort of. A, as a lot of readers, it might, I'm a bit like Adolf Hitler. I only read what I want to read.
0: Right.
1: <laughs> I mean, somebody said he had a fantastic collection of books, but they were only on certain subjects. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and like, someone said they, the, the, the 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 GIs when they went into the place, wherever the house he had, yeah. uh, they found and they, they, it, it went missing. This this collection. But if you can get the originals, it, he had marked things like "I don't approve everything that was anti-Semitic." He would have marked that. Like, That's correct. You know, <laughs> you know, so he's only confirming what he he'd yes, throw the rest of them in a heap but I'm, I'm inclined that way that I, uh, I've i always been interested in history either fictional or, or yeah. fact and I read everything okay. on that
0: Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm not
1: a great man I don't read detective books Yeah. I, I, I always associate that I being an actor my life is about is about fiction Yeah. mostly Yeah. You're, 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 that's your job so non-fiction appeals to me but if it's a fictional story told about a historical character—that's fine.
0: Okay. <laughs> and at this stage, having achieved as much as you have, yeah. are there still ambitions? Are there still burning desires to do something you haven't yet done? Or at this stage, is I it?
1: Haven't, yeah. I. I. Some mornings I wake up and say, "No, no, let bygones be." I'm. I'm I, I. Do I trust the memory again? Right. Okay. Because you do. I mean. If, I mean. It's. If you don't, it's. As the fellow says, if you don't use it, you lose it. Yeah. And um, you do fear. That's the, every actor's nightmare. Absolutely, I yeah. mean, if it's something that you're doing and you can be prompt, and it's a small part, love it. But I'd like to... Well, not the Lears, obviously. I'm not going to do King Lear. But something size... I'd like to go back and do something sizable, mm-hmm. either in The Gate or The Abbey. Right. Yeah. Something if... if I've... To, I've I mean, to put it up to private, I... I've never picked up, I haven't picked up the phone and said it to my agent. Yes. But that would be a commitment then. and yeah. say, well, look, I, Instead of just saying it was then available, yeah. just I'd love to do X, or X, X or Y. But I, I think, I, I've still got my faculties. Absolutely. and I'm still healthy. And I should do, I, I mean, I'd, I'd like to do it for, like I was delighted when my, my uh, grandson, Charlie, charlie was he I mean, was a good it was three years back he was only ten. we took him, i was in borstal boy in the yes. gaiety and he came to see it he'd never seen his granddad on right. stage and that was a big moment for yeah, him. of course now i'd like to do something in on those lines something bigger yeah for and for the next fella bobby's never seen me on stage okay
0: that's fantastic well Des look I have to say thank you so much for your time to come in on the podcast having spent so many years watching you on stage sharing thank dressing you with, with thank you, you sharing, with sharing you. stage with you you're one of my absolute favourites well I will really I enjoy viewers. that
1: because do you know what it you means you've actually opened up my life for me <laughs> I've forgotten
0: that <laughs> <laughs> but great to relive the moment yeah, Des I, thank you so much it's a real privilege to have you on
1: Yeah. I, oh maybe there's one little bit I wanted to talk about oh go a on a story we were doing a uh, I, I thought of it the other day because I'm having slight eye problem and I got op you see right. and we were doing at Swim Two Birds the first production yes. in The Peacock and Eamon Keane was playing the, uh, the poet character and Pat mm. and myself uh, and Vincent Downing were the sort of sham, the characters that came in and out played it was directed by Alan Simpson yes and uh, we were uh, pat Lade was in it he was sweeney in the trees <laughs> anyway we don't act one and we were in the uh, we were number little only two three and uh, we were number one dressing room next thing Eamon Keane comes into us which of ye three whores pissed in my optrex I said like, what which of ye three whores pissed in my optics? And said, nobody, no. and I've been innocent. I thought in those days I thought of optics in a small little tube, yes. in the little ones you carry in your pocket. Yeah. Well, how would you? Pay? But he had a big bottle of it inside. For <laughs> it. he had a, a bad eyes, and we just "Go on, get lost, Damon. You're mad. Yeah. You know, you're paranoid. You know, in the middle of Act Two. He walks straight over to Vincent Dowling,
0: yes, and punches him on the chin, on stage, on stage, to the audience."
1: nearly knocked him, knocked him backwards. Well, Vincent being a good pro, carried on, did the scene, went off stage and put him up against the wall. I said, you, if you ever do a thing, I'll have you run out of equity. (laughs) (laughs) He decided, he decided all through the second act, it's one of them, It's, it's one of them. No, it was him.
0: Oh, so That's it. That,
1: that's, a, that's a story for you now.
0: I love it, Des. I could listen to these stories all day. I love it. Thank you so much. Time I really love. appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much. Thanks a million. So there you have it. The incredible Des Cave. Such a privilege to have him on. As such a great storyteller. And just an all-round awesome dude. As I said, I've been lucky enough to share a dressing room with him over the years. Share a stage with him. And also just go and see him work his magic. He's a guy who I have so much respect for. So much time for. And a guy who was always incredibly welcoming. Uh, to me in the early days of my career. Simple things like just kind of taking you under his wing, giving you advice here and there. You know, even simple things like tax advice, you know, telling you to lock away stuff so it's all there in advance and you don't have to worry about it that when the revenue comes coming to collect that you didn't drink all the money. It's like simple things, just great stories. And, you know, Des has been at the heart of so much of, you know, the magic of, of Irish theatre from, you know, legendary stories about Des being the reason why people didn't drink in the plough anymore, all those kind of great stuff. He has been at the face of so much of what's been great about Irish theatre for so long. Such a privilege to have him on the podcast, and I look forward to many, many more, year, more years of happy times, both working with Des and uh, just getting to sit in an audience and watch him work his magic. I'll be eternally grateful for him that I had that chat. Uh, so, look, that brings us to our usual weekly roundup of the theatrical goings-on around the country at the Abbey Theatre. Jimmy's Hall is back featuring the wonderful Lisa Lamb who was a guest earlier on this season uh, and also they got Come On Home by the great Philly McMahon, who was one of our very first guests on the first series of the podcast all those years ago. Uh, that's starring Declan Conlon who was a guest in the first series uh, and of course Ian Lloyd-Anderson who's been a guest on this second series. Anna Eno is just on an absolute tear at the moment off the back of the success of Dublin Old School. I'm so the lighter from a pal, in to see him getting the kind of success that he deserves, and uh, you know it's kind of hilarious to have people referring to him as an overnight success after ten or fifteen years slogging away. It's what I love about it. The man, this business is crazy, but it's uh, it's all coming good for Reno at the moment. Uh, up the road at the gate they have the Snapper, which is just hilarious. Treat yourself to a great night out at the Snapper if you can get your hands on some tickets. They are doing crazy business up there. At the Gaily Theater it is Riverdance, and at the Board Gosh Energy Theater it is the All Conquering Wicked. Um, at the new. Thing- Theatre in Temple Bar. It's First Love by Samuel Beckett, which I'm hearing incredible things uh, about Marcus Lamb working his magic in there. That's worth a chance. uh, It's worth checking it out if you get a chance to. At the Smock Alley, Rise Productions' new home, uh, Idlewild by Jimmy Murphy is coming up. That, of course, is presented by Rex Ryan's new company, Glass Mask. Um, They are the company in residence in the boys' school. We're the company in residence in the main space. We are kind of uh, roommates, if you will, in Smock Alley. Really looking forward to seeing that show and seeing all the great stuff that Rex has planned for the coming year. And also so they have the Shockron coming up at Smock Which is their big summer show Liam Heslin's in there Dave O'Mara's in there All kinds of brilliant people Do go and check that out um, On the north side At The Viking in Clontarf It's an evening with Brendan Bean, And that'll be followed by two By Jim Cartwright Which is looking like it's going to be a cracking show uh, At Bewley's Cafe Theatre In the lunchtime slot They have Joxer Daly Esquire Starring the awesome Phelan Drew Directed by the one and only Carl Shields Again the word on the street on that show Is through the roof That is well worth going out of your way to check that out. As we head south down to the Everyman in Cork, The Lonesome West starring Gus McDonough who of course was a guest earlier on this season uh, and Amy McElhatton also starring there and that of course is directed by the one and only Julie Kelleher of the Everyman who of course was also a guest this season. Man, it's a busy uh, busy week for, for the Rise Productions podcast alumni. Um, as we head west to the Town Hall in Galway, Incantata is still going on and Port Authority is there. Orfeo Eduridice is still there and The Aspirations of Daisy Morrow, a whole heap of stuff on in Galway at the moment. It's really an amazing vibe out west at the moment. Do go and see some theatre if you're on the west coast. And as we head up north to the Lyric in Belfast, Paperboy is continuing there and then just coming up is Ten Plague and A Night with George so look that is us that is episode 38 would you believe in the books but we will of course be back next week for another chat with one of Ireland's leading theatre makers but in the meantime this has been the Rise Productions Irish Theatre Podcast for Angus Ogh McAnally I'm Angus Ogh McAnally we'll see you next week